1: Ladies and gentlemen, thrilled to have you here for this epic debate, as this is going to be, I should say, more so, it's a brand new thing. We've never done it before. Instead of debate, it's going to be, you could say, an interview and discussion, and the reason that's important is, first, we're excited we really haven't had a lot of people who would Uh, you could say identify with with old earth creation and so we want to give you a fair shake you've you've never complained we appreciate that so much that we kind of almost left old earthers out as if they didn't exist and that's definitely not what we meant to do so we appreciate you guys being so patient about that and uh yeah we definitely think it's going to be a blast so Thanks for being here. And by the way, if this is your first time here, consider hitting that subscribe button as we have a lot of debates on creation evolution. We've got one on cities on the moon tonight. That should be a wild one later tonight. And... So with that, whether you be Christian, atheist, or one of the many strange creatures in between, we are glad that you are here as we kind of try to build this nonpartisan community. And so with that, we don't want to take any more time. Mark was just going to say a quick word before we get started, where I'll I'll basically hand it over to Benjamin uh, as he will do an interview and first, I just want to introduce the speakers, though, before turning it over to Mark. So you are familiar with Kent Hovind. He's been here before. It's always been a wild one, as uh, as he's been sometimes called the Hulk Hogan of debaters. He's been in the game for a long time, a lot of debates. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun having him back again. He's been a, a huge help to the channel. And also, want to mention that this is a... Dennis, Dr. Lamaru, forgive me if I mispronounce your name. I'm so sorry. I want to make sure that I, I do say it right. If you could correct me, Dennis. That's good. Lamaru. Okay. Lamaru, thank you so much. So uh, he had asked us to be called Dennis. And so thanks for that, Dennis. We're uh, honored to have you. And I have to just read a couple of things on his background as well, is that I've been, so I'm getting my doctorate myself. I've met a lot of people in academia with multiple degrees. I have never seen this many degrees, uh, Dennis has more degrees than a thermometer. I'm going to read a few of these. There's Master of Divinity, Master of Christian Studies, Doctor of Philosophy, and that's in, one is in Theology, and then another one is in uh, Oral Biology. Do I understand that right?
2: Dental Development and Evolution, yes.
1: Absolutely. So we are uh, so at, uh, a wide and uh, robust background as well. And so it's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm going to turn it over to Mark, who's just going to make a quick word for a minute, and then we will be turning it over to Benjamin, who will be doing an interview before we go into the discussion between Kent and Dennis. So, Mark, thanks so much for helping out tonight. Glad to have you, and the floor is yours.
3: Well, thanks a lot, James. I really appreciate being here. I appreciate Dennis being here, uh, Benjamin, and of course, Kent. How you doing tonight, Kent? Um, hey, it turns hey. out I, I actually owe you an apology. Uh, last time me and you had a debate, I claimed that AR 15 bullets were subsonic. Um, not even close. Um, a lot of bullets are um, over the speed of sound of 750 miles an hour. So you were correct on there. I still hold true, though, to my um, okay. that you need a higher velocity to achieve a higher orbit. Um, yeah, so Kent's here tonight. Uh, we're always glad to have Kent here. Like I say, uh, from the atheist crowd, um, whether you agree with me or not, Kent is is one of the people out there that works really hard at this. He does it 24-7. Um, I don't know when this man sleeps, and uh, we really do appreciate the fact that he'll come on, talk to us, and um, allow us to show um, his people our point. Um, you know, you talk about a cult. A cult is somebody who shuts themselves off and doesn't allow outside um, information into uh, into their people. Kent is not like that. He's on here every day. Uh, he invites us to debate him. Um, I think Kent will tell you that anytime you can debate Kent, uh, he will gladly come on here. Uh, he's done it with me twice and I appreciate it. So with that, we're gonna turn it over to whoever we're gonna turn
1: it over to. And uh, we're really glad to have you back tonight, Kent.
4: Thank you, good to be here.
1: You bet. So, uh, thanks for being a representative of the agnostic, or a- I should say, atheist community. And we appreciate your openness, Mark, to engaging in dialogue. And uh, we welcome you here, anybody, to make your case, no matter what your view is, as Mark has said. And, Benjamin, thanks for being here. We're excited. I have to. Benjamin is not only the interviewer tonight, but he's also ultimately the person who's like organized this and got it together. And so I want to say thanks so much, Benjamin. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you here. And the floor is yours uh, to kind of interview our guests that we're thankful to have. So thanks for being here, Benjamin.
5: It's a pleasure to be here. I'm very excited for all the discussions that we're going to have tonight. So I think that the first sort of things is to thank our key figures in today's discussion that took a lot of time out of the very busy schedule to talk about this topic. And so the main words that I hope to discuss and kind of ask questions on pertain to Genesis 1 and 2 and how they relate to young earth creationism. And so the overall – or the overarching topic that we'll be discussing and kind of asking questions about is whether or not young young earth creationism is the only acceptable position evangelical Christians. I think it's important to look at this topic because the language used in Genesis 1 affects a lot of what we believe about the Bible. It affects what we believe about sin, death, uh, Adam, and how we bear the image of God. And so the first questions that I think we should start off with are, what is the context we have to look at to understand the Bible? Uh, I think we should start with with Hovind, as he actually has some of the beginning of Genesis. Uh, on his first slide
4: well i think the bible was written to be read by everybody and anybody and it was not to be cryptic it's uh it's easy to understand you read it and the bible clearly teaches god made everything in six days uh the bible clearly teaches nothing died until adam's sin man brought death into the world and so it was a perfect world man messed it up and if you add up the dates in the bible it's going to come to about 6000 years plus or minus maybe 50 years i don't know but certainly i don't think you can justify billions of years and I, from the bible and i don't think you can justify evolution from the bible you have to define the word evolution though it's kind of a slippery word uh certainly there are variations within the same kind but that's where it stops you know dogs produce dogs but you get a big one and a little one and it stops at a certain size you're never going to get a dog as small as a flea or as big as a texas you know so there are limits and so the bible allows for variations within the kind but that's that's it that's all that happens still the same kind so i take the position god's word is easy to understand in most places and it teaches real clearly six-day creation anybody believes otherwise has to twist a whole bunch of scriptures to make it say that
5: okay awesome so now going to uh dennis What context should we look at in order to understand the Bible? And and
2: Well, let me begin by uh, affirming I'm an evangelical Christian like uh, like Kent, and I love the Word of God. Uh, Holy Spirit-inspired, it's a gift to humanity to find out who we are and how we've fallen short of the glory of God, and how our relationship can be uh, restored through the blood of the Lamb, through Jesus Christ's uh, sacrifice on the cross. Um, Now, we're asking about context. It's a a great question, It, it really is all about context, is when was the Bible written? And we have to be sensitive to that. Though, with that being said, and let me speak, I'm a former young earth creationist. And I will tell you, I was quite a young earth creationist because Mark will enjoy this being from Ontario. I walked out of University of Toronto Medical School in first year to give up my medical career to be a creation scientist. Now, here's the interesting thing. My background before that was a science degree and a dentistry degree, but how much understanding of the Word of God did I really understand? Um, not, that, not much in terms of technicalities, but here is the power of the Word of God. No matter where you are in your academic voyage, where you happen to be in your life, get on your knees before the Word of God, and there's going to be a voice coming out of that, those pages. And that's the Holy Spirit talking to you. Now, my adventure started off, I thought, best thing to do if I'm going to get in this debate is be double degreed, a PhD in theology, PhD in evolutionary biology. And so I went to Regent College in Vancouver, and that's where it's really started to get challenging to under, understand what theologians do in terms of understanding the scripture. And one of the first things we appreciate is the historical context. The Bible was written in real time, in a real space, and roughly say Genesis around 3,500 years ago. With that being the case, we have to be sensitive to what they understood back there in terms of their understanding of nature, and come to the conclusion that we find in the scriptures an ancient understanding of nature, or in other words, an ancient science. So if the scripture uses an ancient science, and this ancient science is delivering these wonderful Holy Spirit inspired, and let's underline the word inerrant spiritual truths, such as God created the world, the creation is very good, humans are created in the image of God, humans are sinners and God judges us for his sin, using this ancient context to get across these revelatory truths. And I might add, my conversion was as a result of those deep spiritual truths. There really is, was a creator. There were really, I am really a sinner. And Jesus solves the problem for sin. So we have to understand the historical context of when the word of God was written.
5: Okay, awesome. So then a follow-up question. So should we look at different things like historical context, linguistic context, or maybe the purpose of why it was written at that very period in time? And so this is a question for both of you.
2: Go ahead, Kent.
4: Well, I I think I'd have to strongly disagree. I think the book was written by God, and he doesn't care what time it is or what date it is, or it's written to be understood by all ages. Genesis 1:1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and Jesus in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. I think the Bible clearly teaches, whether we understand it or not, that Jesus was God Almighty in the flesh and that he created everything. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. In Colossians 1, we see by him, that's talking about Jesus, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth. So the Bible, like I said, whether we understand it or not, the Bible clearly teaches the deity of Jesus Christ, God himself come down in the flesh. And Jesus said in Matthew 19, 4, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? Talking about Adam and Eve. Same thing in Mark 10, 6. From the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. So Jesus said the beginning of the creation was when God made Adam and Eve. And the Bible clearly teaches in Romans 5, man brought death into the world. By one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. And then it's same similar thing in 1 Corinthians uh, 15. By man came death, in Adam all die. So I think the Bible could not be more clear that nothing died till Adam sinned and the creation of Adam was the beginning. I mean, that's what it says. And you read the 10 commandments in Exodus chapter 20. God wrote this on a rock with his finger and handed it to Moses. In six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is. It couldn't be put simpler than that. So the question isn't what does it say, but do you believe what it says? The Bible says Adam was the first man, and Eve is the mother of all living. So Jesus said the creation of Adam was the beginning. Nothing died till man sinned. And the Bible says we all came from Adam and Eve, and Adam was 130 when his son was born, and he was 105 when his son was born, and he was 90. I mean, you can chart it out. It's simple to do. Get those charts. I'll send you one if you want. But the Bible dates clearly add up to about 4000 BC. No, I I just don't think it could be any simpler. I don't need to understand the context, who wrote it, what language they wrote it in, who they wrote it to. It's written so Kent Hovind can understand it in the 21st century. I can understand clearly when it says nothing died till Adam sinned, and the dates add up to 4000 BC, roughly. I don't have a problem with that. I strongly disagree with the old
1: earth creation position. Forgive me for cutting in, just to be sure that we get through as many questions as possible. Uh, Thank you very much for that, Kent, and then Benjamin, back to you.
5: Okay. So then, um, going off of that answer, so do words change over time and how cultures use them, or is that something that, that um, isn't really affected by time as much?
4: Is that a question for me?
5: Yes, kind of to address uh, what you previously said.
4: Oh, yeah. The Bible wasn't written in English, translated in English, but it's translated into many, many languages, probably every language in the world, just about. It, it, that wouldn't matter. The, the meaning is not going to change. Of, uh, For instance, in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth. Okay. How can you possibly change that?
5: So uh, let's move on to a different line of question that kind of has to do with uh, an underlying theme that seems to be kind of apparent now. Um, so what does it mean, or when we say that we created something, what do we mean by that? And so we can start with um, Dennis. Dennis.
2: Well, let me follow up with what Kent said, and I would totally agree with him. I mean, what he's reading is exactly what the text says. I mean, I have access. I'm trained both in Hebrew and Greek, and the translations are very, very good. Um, So I, I have no complaints in terms of what he's presenting, but I'm going to take it one step further and say the statements about nature in Scripture are an ancient understanding of nature. And if I can sort of use my my slides here and see if I can get there. Um, by the way, this is one of my favorite uh, verses um, in scripture, but let me introduce a concept that Oh boy, it's not working.
1: We've got you. We've got your slide that says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today. Okay, but
2: I'm trying to change it now to to slide four five and enter and it's
1: not doing that Oh, okay We're are as categorizing the, origins
2: yeah no that's not the one either boy this is not very good is it wow
4: oh man according to evolution things get better automatically okay, just let's wait see, a few sec- million years hold on
2: hold on all right here's the term i want to introduce that i'm not sure kent is aware of it is the notion of Scientific concordism. This is a deep assumption that most Christians make, and I might add even people who are skeptics of religion would make, that the Bible is purportedly aligning with physical reality. Um, As a young earth creationist, I was a scientific concordist. I didn't know what a concordist was until I went to graduate school. And when it comes to this, it's really simple to consider. how how scripture really sets up. Then when it comes to Genesis, there's spiritual truths, ancient science, and ancient poetry. Now when it comes to spiritual truths, they're pretty easy to understand. God created the world, the world's very good, humans created in the image of God, only humans created in the image of God, humans are sinful, and God judges sin. Now, here's the key that a lot of evangelicals are not aware of, this is the one that shocked me as I'm going through graduate school, that there is an ancient understanding of nature within the Bible. And you don't have to go very far into the Bible. Genesis 1, that first chapter, on the second day of creation, God creates a firmament to separate the waters above from waters below. Now, the word firmament in Hebrew is rakia, means a hard, firm structure. And when it comes to the Greek, it's translated into stereoma, again, meaning hard. So all of a sudden you're saying, what exactly is going on here? Well, if you stop for a second and suspend your wonderful... 21st century science and look up and go back into the the ancient world, look up and you're in the Middle East. What do you see? A big blue dome. So to suggest there's a sea of water up there makes perfect sense. Let's move on to the fourth day of creation. And God does what? He places the sun, moon, and uh, stars in the firmament. Now, isn't that what it looks like from the perspective of the naked eye? You look up, you see the blue dome. Something must be holding up that sea. That's the firmament. And, of course, the sun, moon, and stars look like it's right against it. Now, when it comes to the earth, you'll notice it's surrounded by water. Why is this? And this is the key of understanding an ancient text. We've got to think like an ancient person. So let's go into the ancient Near East, and you go in all directions. What do you hit? You hit water. So this is back to this historical context. Let's see what the Egyptians believe. Let's see what the Mesopotamians believe, And look at this when it comes to the Egyptians. I
1: want to give you another a little bit. I want to give you a little bit to quick wrap up, but just to get through as many questions as possible. um, I want to give you a chance to wrap up, but then we got to try. All
2: right. Let me me, me just do this one to, to point out what's going on here. This is the science of the day in the ancient world, and it's quite similar to the Bible. You notice in red, there's the firmament. You see the stars speckling against it. Now, you notice there's someone in a boat. Obviously, there's a sea of water up there. This is the sun god Ray. And what does he do? He crosses the heavens enters the underworld, and goes back and rises again. So what's my point? The Bible is a historical document inspired by the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit also used their intellectual categories in order that they would understand. Okay. Okay. I'll stop there.
5: Okay. So... Thank you. If I was... Like, let's say that I was to create something... In, in a short, in a short sentence, what would that kind of mean? Would that would that necess- necessarily mean, in our in our modern understanding, that I took something and then formed it, or what could it uh, otherwise mean? Kent, is, you gonna do that one, Kent?
4: I didn't understand the question completely. Uh, say that again.
5: So, what does it mean to create, in our modern understanding of that particular word, particularly in the context of Genesis one and its
4: opening? Well, I think most people, Hebrew, Greek, or any language would say, in the, uh, in the beginning, God created ex nihilo out of nothing. He's, he made everything out of nothing. There was nothing before that. So when you look at Exodus 20, God said, uh, Moses, I want you to tell the people in the Ten Commandments to honor the Sabbath, work six days, and rest one, because I worked six days and made everything and rested one. So God made everything, time, space, matter, everything during those six days. And uh, I don't think he cared at all what the Egyptians thought. There were all kinds of crazy people taught things about the universe that are crazy, but I don't think God cared. He wrote exactly what happened. And it's not at all the Egyptian cosmology of the sun god Ra, even Aaron Ra is not the sun god, uh, going over (laughs) over the sea and coming back again. I, I completely disagree with that interpretation. I think the waters above the firmament are clearly discussed and i cover that in great detail on my video number two what that means there was water of uh, there are three heavens mentioned in the bible first heaven where the birds fly second heaven where the stars are third heaven apparently where god lives so we can talk about that for a long time if you'd like but i spent an hour on that on seminar part two which you can watch on my youtube channel i mean on uh, website drdino.com, or on my kent hovind official youtube channel so i don't think we need to understand what the egyptians thought about it doesn't matter a waste of time studying that God said he did it in six days. That's easy to understand.
5: Okay. So I
4: think that both of us can,
5: like everybody here can agree that we can use the Bible to interpret different ways that the Bible uses different words, right?
4: No, I think the Bible's clear enough that people do misinterpret it. That's always been the case, you know, twisting God's words. But no, I don't think there's, I don't think there's any room for error on this one. It was six days and nothing died till Adam sinned. And Jesus said the creation of Adam was the beginning. He's the creator. He, He should know.
5: So the particular word that's used um for creating in genesis 1 is bara and so for different uh passages in the bible like psalm 51 10 where it says a clean or, uh create a pure heart oh god and renew steadfast spirit with me the word that's used for create is bara and so is god in this particular instance in in psalm 51 completely recreating morphologically a heart, or is it a, a different type of meaning of creation that isn't saying that it's not being created, but is it a different type that we might not, uh, I guess, immediately think of based on our modern understanding of what it means to create? And
2: well, I think exactly. you're talking about bara. There's it, it appears about 50 times in the Old Testament. Um, mostly God is the uh, is the subject of this verb. But there's some examples where bara means to cut, as in cutting down trees and done by, by humans. Now, when it comes to Genesis 1, bara is interchangeable with the word asa, which is the word to make and to do. So they're interchangeable. Uh, bara can mean creation out of nothing, ex nihilo, can also mean creating out of material, uh, ex materia. So there's, there's, you you got to go to the verse and figure out what the context is and what is being used. So when it comes to the creation of humans, bara and asa are used in the sixth day of creation, and the sixth day when they God created humans. Now, the one thing I'm gonna follow up on, Ken, is look at if you're going to take the scripture literally, and I have no trouble with that because I think that's fair, then you're gonna to have to believe there's a hard firmament above our heads and that the sun, moon, and stars are embedded in it and that this firmament is holding a sea of water. I don't think that's the structure of the world. Though that's, and the reason you do the Egyptians and the Mesopotamians is to find out what did they believe back then. And that's exactly what they believed.
4: Okay, well, I would again have to strongly disagree. I think the Bible does teach there was a hard crystalline firmament above the atmosphere where the birds fly. Uh, Second Peter said the scoffers in the last days would be willingly ignorant of how God made the heavens and how the earth was in the water and out of the water. If you go straight over your head right now about six miles it's about 100 degrees below zero you go up to about uh, 55 miles you get another layer 100 degrees below zero i i stand very strongly in the camp of those that teach there was a crystalline canopy above the atmosphere probably 10 miles up squeezing all of our air down the birds fly in that first firmament the stars are not in the crystalline canopy they are in the second heaven above that obviously the stars go way out there so This canopy may have been held up like an inflatable building by increasing air pressure or may have been held up by the Earth's magnetic field because super cold ice is magnetic. And the Jews, if you studied this, have always taught, let me get up to the slides here, or even Josephus. It says, uh, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. He set the heaven above the universe, surrounding it with ice. They taught there was an ice canopy above the atmosphere. The Jews have taught it was about two or three fingers thick. God made the firmament, the thickness, three fingers. The thickness was two fingers. It was a flat and solid surface. And I've got all kinds of quotes on my video number two about them crystalline canopy stretched over the heads uh, of on the earth. He made it crystallize into a solid body. The firmament's not more than three fingers thick. So I go through all this in my seminar about the Bible. I think certainly the Jews have always taught, and I think the Bible clearly teaches there was a crystalline canopy above the atmosphere, maybe 10 miles up, and the stars were outside that in the second heaven and paul said in second corinthians chapter 12 he was caught up to the third heaven so to say that the just because the egyptians thought that the stars were stuck in a crystalline firm does not mean that's what god said about it satan's always twisted god's words and he certainly did with the egyptians they twisted just about everything Uh, so the crystalline canopy above the atmosphere maybe 10 miles up is a simple solution to many uh problems Uh, in interpreting the Bible, and in explaining, how did the mammoths get frozen so quickly standing up? Uh, Why is there a continental shelf? Why do we have two different levels to the ocean? And we can cover that for days if you'd like, but that's why I do my seminar, 18 hours long. Yeah, well
2: fair enough. I'm going to respond to that instead of going to Josephus. Let's go to the Word of God and find out exactly what it says in Scripture. And I've given sure. you that passage. On the fourth day of creation, the sun, moon, and stars are placed. That's the Hebrew word in the firmament. It's not above the crystalline firmament. It is in the firmament. And when the word gets translated into Greek, it's in stereomati. It's in the firmament. So, and and that's why you look at the historical context. Everyone believed there was a hard dome above and the sun, moon, and stars were embedded in it. It's not above it. Because what's above the ferment are the waters. And that's the liquid waters. It's the Hebrew word mayam. By the way, when it comes to the Hebrew word "mayim," it has the dual ending, which is "ayim." And anything that shows up in duals refer to things that happen in pairs in nature. So we have the waters above, we see that in Genesis day two, and the waters below, which is the sea. So what we're seeing here is is a hard firmament with the sun, moon, and stars embedded in it. And that's exactly what the Hebrew says in the Word of God. And all translations embrace that. Your King James Version says the very same thing. And why would the King James Version believe in the firmament? Is because at the beginning of the seventeenth century they believed there was a firmament around the earth. I would love so, to talk about can, this. You topic. can't go there. That's not what the
4: Hebrew's oh, doing i I'll be, I'll be oh. glad to tackle that. But I think we're – I'll be glad to tackle that if you like. like. We're going a lot on one question, and you said you had a bunch of questions to cover. Yeah. Uh, this It's I, a very I, I interesting
5: committed. topic, but I, I really wish that we could go over it more. But, yeah, we do have quite a few questions to go over. Um, so concerning, once again, creating um, – correct me if I'm wrong, Dennis, but is it not true kind of that a lot of Near Eastern cultures had also – to use the word bara would also be like to, to assign a function. And so while it may have existed, it was it was created in the sense that it was assigned a particular thing. So like um, in uh, Psalm 50, 51, which was just read, it wouldn't be necessarily creating the heart ex nihilo. It would be assigning it the function of a pure heart.
2: Well, no, I, I agree. I mean, bara can include ex nihilo, but bara can also include creating out of something. And the basic meaning of Barah means to make something brand new. Now, when it comes to ex nihilo, and this is back to the Hebrew, and this is, this is first-year Hebrew, it's basic Hebrew. When it comes to Genesis 1-1, that's the title, it's a summary statement. When it comes to verse 2, now the earth was formless and void, that is your scene-setting sentence. In other words, there's water, there's earth, and time underway before that first day of creation. So most of these creation accounts at that point in time, they don't have the concept of creation out of nothing, like creation of space-time continuum. That's a 21st century, 20th century construct. So when it comes to Genesis 1, it's not creation out of nothing totally, though there's some moments, for example, the firmament where God says, let there be a firmament between the waters, that strikes me as a creation out of nothing sort of event. So it's a combination of both. And when it comes to the doctrine of creation out of nothing, this is sort of like the doctrine of the Trinity in that it's, it took the church some time to put it together. And it's really roughly in the second century of the current era, A.D., that we've put together the doctrine of creation out of nothing. And I mean, I totally and completely embrace it. But I don't go back to Genesis 1 to find it. I see, I see elements of it uh, in the New Testament. Uh, for example, in Hebrews 11, where God creates everything out of nothing, type thing, as it says in Hebrews
4: 11:1. 11, 11,
5: okay, fantastic. Right, and then, well, so if, if Kent would like to respond briefly, and then yeah, we'll yeah, I'd to like answer. very
4: strongly, very strongly disagree with what he said about time was already underway before the first day. Uh, he's what he's teaching is a modified version of the gap theory that uh, the gap between verse one and verse two, and the earth, and he said. It should be the bible says was it was without form and void it didn't become without form and void he simply wasn't done yet uh, he did it all in six days it says so in exodus 20 it says so in exodus 31:17. jesus said the creation of adam was the beginning so his interpretation that there was time underway before the first day is because calling jesus a liar he said that was the beginning of the creation and he's saying there was time before that so I think he's just trying to get a modification of the gap theory in there, and I just have to think that's heresy in my humble, humble
2: opinion. Well, let's let's make it very clear. You're putting words in my mouth. I do not embrace the gap theory whatsoever. Not at okay. all. What I'm suggesting yes. here from the Masoretic text in the most simple Hebrew going, you have a disjunctive vav at the beginning of verse 2. What a disjunctive vav does? That's a scene-setting sentence. And everything that follows after that, that's the scene where it starts. So in the beginning, God created the heavens, the earth. That's your title. Now the earth was formless and empty. That is where it all starts. That's the scene it starts. And it doesn't say when it was created. In fact, who created it? It's just you start with water and the earth. And of course, the spirit of God is over all this. This is the distinction between the word of God and the pagan cultures they believed in a dark watery chaos as the beginning that was the sort of eternal state but the hebrew writer under the inspiration of the holy spirit has the spirit of god supervising over the waters in total and complete control of the waters and by the way when it comes to these other ancient accounts you have gods that come out of out of the waters but when it comes to the bible there are no other gods whatsoever i mean this is a really radical statement for that generation so what we find here spirit of god Hovering over the waters and the formless and empty earth, and that's the way the scene starts. That's basic Hebrew chant. That's there's that's nothing exotic. You will learn that by the time you're in your third month of uh, introductory Hebrew class.
4: Well, let me ask you a question. Do you agree that the dates given in Scripture, Adam being 130, etc., would add up to about 4,000 BC?
2: Uh, you're absolutely right. But can I follow up on that and try to get back sure. into my sure.
5: We'll take about five or six minutes for this particular thing, but after that, I'd like to go on to the Tohu and Bohu, which was mentioned a bit.
2: Yeah, just hang tough here. Um, This thing is frustrating me. Okay, 22 and enter, and it's not doing that. Let's try something a little different. All right, here we go. How do I hey, get ready? Okay, <laughs> let's see if we can do this. This is for Ken, and it's not doing it again. Screen. Uh-huh. I don't know what to say about this, you guys, this is, uh,
3: Try to open your slides first. Stop sharing your screen. Open your slide to where you want it and then share your screen.
2: Okay. Hang tough. So close the share.
3: Yeah.
2: Stop sharing.
3: Now open it up to the slide you want it on and then share your screen.
2: I I thought you could just basically do the numbers. All right. Let's see this. No, it's going right back to that very same slide. Hmm all right can you see this yes yeah yes all right sorry so Kent I mean and, and I'll say this is also a criticism of myself and just about every Christian when we get to a genealogy what do we do sort of glaze over right and then jump to the next chapter well let's take a look at these numbers and here is the first genealogy the Hebrew genealogy before the flood in Genesis 5 and Kent was referring to those those dates he's absolutely right you add up to the numbers, and you get to around 6,000 years, or 4,000 BC, or 6,000 years ago. But let's take a look at those numbers. Notice the ones in red. Do you know something unusual about them? They're all multiples of five. If this was a random scatter of regular ages, you should have only five, four or five that are multiples of five. But we've got 15 multiples of five now let's take a look at the non-multiples of five that are in green and take a look at what you've got subtract the number five or pardon me you subtract the number seven and what do you get in all these a five so what is the story being told here in the ancient world genealogies were qualitative they were trying to get a message across and so when it comes to the hebrews the number five why is it so important the hebrews are the people of the five books the Pentateuch. So here is the genealogy making, if you wish, a statement, a message statement to say, the Hebrews are the people of the five books. And we see the very same thing when it comes to Jesus in the Luke genealogy. Of course, many people have never counted all those individuals, but how many are there? 77. Now, what is the number seven? It's the number of completion. So this is the perfect genealogy. And if you go to Matthew 1, where you see this is a a gospel directed to the Jews, it's clumps of 14, 14 and 14. Now to us, we don't understand what 14 means, but the Hebrews had a a literary technique called gematria. And the gematria, the number for David is 14. So Jesus is the son of David. That's what the message is getting across. And of course, because Matthew's written to Jews, they would have picked that up immediately so what are these numbers they're not actual numbers they're stylistic numbers and the evidence is within the scripture itself this is clearly a message going on and if you go on to genesis 11 you see that same sort of arrangement because again these are the hebrews all right i'll stop sharing on this and get back into here all right
5: there's another fruitful discussion that i wish that we had time for but uh, i feel like we should move on but to tohu and bohu or devoid and oh, void
4: do i get do i get a minute to respond or is that done sure,
2: let, let ken respond please oh, yes yes
5: go ahead sorry
4: about that <clears throat> that, that is greatly concerns me what you just said i think it would border on heresy claiming that nobody really can understand that book unless we have you as a guru to tell us nobody reading that book is going to come up with that the fact that they're multiples of five doesn't mean it's not true jesus said the creation of adam was the beginning From the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female, and man brought death into the world by his sin. We covered all that. And it says, Adam was 130 and begat a son. So you're telling me that's not true. I think you're calling that a lie. You're saying it's because it's stylistic and uh, not actual numbers. It's just a style. I I resent that. I think that's heresy for you to claim. God can't record the numbers accurately and preserve it for us for today. I don't know if you teach this to your students or not, but you might want to read Matthew 18, 6 about that. Because you're destroying somebody's faith in the word the fact that it divides by five doesn't matter that is actually how old they were we don't need you to help us understand that kent if yes. you do not want to
2: submit to the very words in the word of god that's your choice I am looking at the Word of God. I I'm not these the let let, you. Second, one finish, second. Please. You got to one, 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 you we, we one, finish. Finish. one at a time. You're the
1: one not submitting to the word of God. We need it one time. One at a time. me of, of I'm sorry, but Kent. Please, if we can just give Dennis uh, a chance, and we'll give you a response, Kent. We'll give you a chance to
4: respond. You're the one not submitting to the word of God. Kent. Can we come? Can we just give? I want to give Dennis a chance, and then we can come back to you. I
1: promise.
2: All right. If you do not want to submit to the very I do to the Hold on one
1: second one second, <laughs> Kent I promise we'll come back to um, you I promise we will I'll not i gladly submit to this we promise to we you. will not okay. we will not cut you short Kent I promise we just want to give Dennis okay. a chance
2: the very words in the word of God in Genesis 5 have a series of multiples of five if we go to the New Testament and we see Jesus's genealogies that are different in Luke and Matthew You see there's a stylistic thing going on. In other words, where do I get this stylistic argument? It's the word of God that has made me realize this. And the only way you realize this is if you submit to the very words in the word of God. So my exegesis, my interpretation is being shaped by the text. I'm seeing these numbers, they're jumping out of us. Now, what are the problems as 21st century individuals? We wanna think about genealogies the way we do them today. You know, I was born May 27th, 1954. My dad, September 14th, 1924. Now, that's not how they did genealogies in the ancient world. And that's why, and it's coming back to our very first question that Benjamin asked, what about context? We have to read the context in order to appreciate the word of God. And I might add, it's thanks to reading and understanding Semitic languages that we have a better understanding of the Hebrew. It's why we do scholarship outside the text. It helps enrich and inform the text to get a pure understanding of the word of God.
5: Okay, so this is a very interesting discussion. I'm sure we could spend quite a long time on it. Um, But to kind of clarify, so these numbers would be, um, in putting it in terms of modern ideas, they would be sort of memes for the cultures of that time, that if you weren't around at that time, you wouldn't quite get, but if you studied the area era, you'd, you'd, you'd kind of get what it's referring to a bit more.
2: You know, Benjamin, that's a really brilliant idea. I've never thought of them as being memes, but I think you're spot on. The number five to the Hebrews, and remember who they are. They're the people of the Torah, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. So let me give you an example in this city, Edmonton, you probably have heard this hockey team called the Edmonton Oilers. The number 99 in this city takes on you know, a, another life. It's not one just less 100, it's referring to Wayne Gretzky, the most important uh, hockey player that's ever lived. So in the ancient world, they had that. And I'll say when it comes to seven, that's another example of a perfect number of number of completion. And when we see sevens, we have to start thinking, is it literal or is it stylistic? So you're always trying to make that decision. If all of a sudden you find a, a sentence with a lot of sevens, then you're probably thinking with something stylistic.
1: I want to, just in case Kent has a response, uh, and then we probably should go over to the, the discussion, Benjamin, if you're ready to try to switch over to where we have a little bit of open <laughs> chat before the Q&A, if that's possible. Sure. Okay,
4: fantastic, Well, thank you so much, Dennis. Yes, I agree. You should submit to the very Word of God. The very Word of God says Enos was 90 when Canaan was born, and Canaan was 70 when Mahalia was born. And the fact that there's a bunch of fives in here doesn't matter at all. And you should submit to your elders. I was born in 1953, Dennis. So I'm right, and you're wrong. The Bible (laughs) dates are clear. It comes to about 4,000 B.C. So thank you. I'm not going to respond that. to that. Okay, <laughs> good. W- wise move.
1: Next up, uh, if you're ready to go into the discussion mode, Benjamin, uh, what we will do is maybe a short open discussion portion. Like, I uh, want to try to respect uh, that I promised uh, Team Hoven that we'd be kind of a it'd be a short and sweet one, as I know they have their Q&A tonight. So we have le- probably about, like, 15 minutes top. So I, I think that maybe, like, I mean, maybe, like, Seven and seven. Seven of open discussion, seven of Q and A. And so sorry, folks, if we don't get to your question, including the super chats. I just have to respect that promise to them. And so, um does that sound good, Benjamin? yes and thanks again to benjamin for organizing this as well i want to remind everybody both of the speakers have their links in the description so if you enjoyed what you've heard so far or continue to enjoy it as i'm confident you will we would encourage you please check out their links in the description so that you can find more material material from them and also, want to mention uh, thanks to Benjamin for setting this up. Maybe next time we'll have like kind of a, a triple threat kind of discussion in which we maybe uh, Mark has been patiently listening. So um, who knows? Maybe uh, we'll get an atheist or someone in there. But thanks, uh, gentlemen, for your patience. And then uh, I suppose uh, I think that uh, Kent had the last kind of answer from that last interview question. So, Dennis, if you'd like to uh, kind of get the discussion rolling, and like I said, this would be a really short one, but the floor is yours.
2: Well, the, the, the issue and remember, I'm a former young earth creationist, so I know exactly where Kent is coming from. And the difference is I studied Genesis 1 to 11 at the graduate school level and PhD level. And um, you, this is why there are teachers in the church and Kent should know that, that they are teachers. And it's because of my teachers, I was able to see some of this ancient con- conceptuality in scripture. Now, what this does by recognizing that there's an ancient understanding of origins of scripture is it frees me to open the book of God's works, that is nature, and see exactly what we find in terms of how the world came about. And that's why I did my second PhD. And I might add, I entered that program as an anti-evolutionist. But I was open to the possibility that if I saw the data, and of course, what I was learned in my, my, my Sunday schools is there were no transitory forms in the fossil record. Well, this is simply not true. And as time went on, it took me three and a half years to finally I realized that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit created the universe and life, including human beings through, number one, an ordained, number two, a sustained, and number three, an intelligent design reflecting evolutionary process. Now what does this do to my faith? It doesn't do anything to my faith other than free my mind from being trapped in a very strict literalist hermeneutic, which very few theologians embrace today. You see this, amateurs in in Sunday schools who hold that view, but um, within the academy, this is just something we don't embrace. So uh, I'm a two, two books man, but going all the way back to Benjamin, it's the issue of context. You have to appreciate, this is the Word of God, but it's written in the words of men in history, as G.E. Ladd once said. So in other words, there is that historical component to it. But the beauty of it, despite how you may approach to it, be on your knees in front of the Word of God, open your heart, open your mind, and you will hear the Holy Spirit talking to your heart.
4: All right, well, the Holy Spirit sent me to correct you on all of this stuff um i'm sorry sir you i think what you're teaching is heresy uh you you say you were a former young earth creationist but you studied graduate level this is condescending of course of you know better than everybody else um i think you'll find nobody nobody just reading the bible will come up with your interpretation everybody with no no input from anywhere else just read the book will say well this book says the world's about six thousand years old so I think what, when you went to grad school, they destroyed your faith instead of helped enhance your faith. I think you are living in a dream world. Uh, and you're making setting yourself up as a guru where we have to have you to tell us what the book says. I can read it my, f- fine myself. Uh, as far as the transits in the fossil record, I would defy you to show me some of those. First of all, I would point out no fossils can be proven to have had any children. No fossils count for anything in the evolution theory. No animal today produces anything other than its kind. Cows produce cows, dogs produce cow dogs, no exceptions. Now, if you wish to believe a bone in the dirt could do something that no animal today can do, you're welcome to believe that, but that's that's silly. It's not science, it's it's evolutionary mythology. So I'm sorry that they taught you that. And I would like, I would challenge you to a debate right now. I'll call later, we can schedule one. Where is, where is the evidence from the fossil record for any transition from one kind of animal to another? And how would you know that fossil had any children how would you know that fossil had children that were different than the animals today? No, every farmer in the world will tell you, animals produce after their kind, exactly like the Bible says. In an honest court of law, even in the Canadian court of law, no fossils would count, none for evidence for evolution. And you talked about amateurs believe in my position. I resent that, of course, I have three doctor's degrees also, and I'll challenge you to debate on this topic. Uh, very few theologians embrace that today. That's why I've got a mission field. Come visit Dinosaur Adventureland. i got to win all you guys back to the simple common teaching. Average person reading Jesus' words when he said the creation of Adam was the beginning, they would think the creation of Adam was the beginning. But you're twisting that scripture horribly, sir. Please stop doing that. You're calling Jesus a liar. Go ahead.
2: Well, I hope someone does a follow-up on this because I just finished hearing him say he has three doctoral degrees. I want your organization to, f- to follow up on this. Um, Now, when it comes to transitional fossils, here they are, the class called mammal-like reptiles. There are over a thousand of them and roughly 30,000 examples. It is a very well-defined class of animals and of course, listen to the very term, mammal-like reptiles. So are they mammals or are they reptiles? And this is the tension that paleontologists have, they're in between. Now, if we're going to talk about the scientific community, 98% of scientists today accept Mm -hmm. evolution, including human evolution. This is not a debate. The only place it's a debate is in our evangelical churches. And there is no discussion in terms of evolution uh, within the academy. This has been well established for a long time. And when it comes to the age of the earth, this has been determined for over 150 years. So, again, no debate with regard to that. Now, when you say after their kinds, of course, a farmer will say a cow will give birth to a cow, give birth to a cow. But evolution isn't within a couple generations. Evolution takes millions of years. And the fossil record is very clear. I'm a specialist in the evolution of teeth and jaws. And let me give you a classic example when it comes to the emergence of the mouth. The first fish had no jaws. They were like lamprey, they're just sort of going along the ground and sucking up whatever they were sucking up. Next in the, that's about 500 million years ago. Then about 550 million years ago, we have our first jawed fish, but no teeth. And the reason though there are no teeth is when we look at these fossils, we put them in a cat stand and there are no teeth in the jaw whatsoever. And then finally, where I've really spent a lot of time, the Acanthodians, we have teeth around 425 to 400 million years ago. So the pattern is very, very clear and there's no debate on it. And you see this in the fossil record. It goes fish, amphibians, reptiles, mammals, and humans at the very top. There is no debate on that. And it reflects an evolutionary progression.
4: Okay, Um, Your argument from majority opinion, of course, is uh, uh, fatally flawed. And the majority can believe all kinds of things. The majority of people in North Korea think Kim Jong-un is a wonderful guy, too. uh, Elijah was greatly outnumbered against 850 prophets of Baal, and he was right. All through the Bible, you see the minority mm-hmm. is correct, like Jeremiah, who was, you know, thrown out in a pit and beaten, and Jesus, who was crucified. So I don't think you arguing the fact that a majority of scientists believe like you believe ought to concern you, sir. You've swallowed the lie of evolution. You should not be proud of that, that you're with that majority, because they are wrong. Jesus said the creation was the beginning. A jawless fish 550 million years ago. This is insane to believe. First of all, those great ages, it's not correct. There's no way to prove such a thing. Secondly, you don't know that because you found a fish with no, with no jaw, and then you find a fish with a jaw, you don't know they're related. And then a fish with a jaw and teeth. How on earth could you draw a line between those? There are animals today with no teeth in their mouth. Lots of them. And they produce babies that are just like themselves. They produce after their kind. And how can, how can you possibly believe a jawless fish turned into a jawed fish and turned into teeth? You don't know they're connected. You're telling me this from a fossil? From a bone in the dirt? I don't care if you find a billion bones in the dirt. That's not evidence they had babies that were different than themselves. That's, no that, animal today does that.
2: It's not um, a bone in the dirt. It's many, many fossils, and you see the pattern okay many bones in the dirt, on the in the dirt.
4: What, what's that you can have many bones in the dirt they Once... don't you can't prove they had any children that were different i just want to well, just you just forgive me Forgive me for and cutting can in You see the pattern it's just before
1: we just to just to so we can kind of keep the the pleasant volley where we've had kind of like maybe like one or two minutes from one person and then one or two minutes from the other if it's okay with you guys would like to do is before q a if we just have one last response from dennis and then given that we started with dennis if we wrap up with a minute from kent and then and then try to cover as many questions as we can in the q a is that
4: okay yeah, yeah bro, my, my q a is taped and played the next day so we don't have to start at seven go ahead okay
2: all right, one minute to end it. Well,
4: so I, you you saying been you have a, a little? It sounds like. Are you
3: saying you have a little extra time here,
4: Ken? It sounds like we have a, a little. Yes, I am flexible. Uh, I'm okay, not as flexible well, as my brother. He's a contortionist, and nah. he married a fortune teller, and they have a child that can foresee his own end. That's How much flexible. time? That's how much minutes. time you got for us, Ken? <laughs> oh, all the
1: time you want. Okay. Thank you okay so if that sounds good in terms of discussion then we'll we'll bring it back to dennis and uh and just kind of keep going as we've been going so uh you can take a few minutes each of you
2: well all right can i start yeah you bet Uh, the reason i decided to take this this uh this event is i just wanted to confirm to myself that Kent Hovine would eventually break down and started slandering me, calling me a heretic, contortionist, et cetera, et cetera. And this is what I'm gonna say to the people who've listened to this video. Go back to the front and see how many times he says stuff like this. I am a born again Christian. I appeal to the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. Do you wanna call me a a heretic? I mean, that's just unbelievable and shameful that you should do something like that as a senior citizen, as we are, maybe we can see kids doing that, but you shouldn't be doing stuff like that. So here's the bottom line. The evidence for evolution, there is no debate. It's there. However, and why am I in this discussion? It is the pastoral disaster that's happening with young evangelicals right now. They're being taught young earth creationism in their churches. They come to public universities, they see the evidence firsthand, and they lose their faith. This is the greatest exodus of young people in the church. They're leaving at record numbers and at record speed, and young earth creationism is one of the reasons that are co- that's co- causing that. Now, I've seen this over 22 years at a public university, over and over and over again. And all of a sudden, all I do is reshuffle the deck and say, let's reconsider what's going on in the word of God. And they come back to faith, realizing young earth creationism is not an article of faith. It just happens to be a position. What is an article of faith is Jesus Christ dying on the cross. That's what you embrace.
4: Okay. Uh, I. I- did call you, and I still believe you are a heretic, and uh, Jesus called Peter as one of one of his own disciples. Uh, some pretty bad names, you know. Uh, Get away from me, you devil. Uh, so you can you can be right on hundreds of things, and I don't question. I think you probably really do love the Lord. I think you love his word as you understand it. But you're talking about this great exodus away from the faith, and you're helping to cause it with this heresy you're teaching. You are causing this exodus from the faith. I'm helping to stop the bleeding someplace, By teaching kids hey the bible is correct as written and you can understand it and read it and there is no evidence for evolution you do not have to compromise your bible with a stupid theory that says mosquitoes and whales are related do you believe uh do you believe that if you go back far enough in time mosquitoes and whales have a common ancestor and it was a single-celled creature like an amoeba you apparently have swallowed the whole big bang theory do you, do you do you believe that 13.7 billion years ago a dot of nothing exploded and made everything? Is that your current theology?
1: And I'll get back to you as soon
2: as
4: I can. Oh, that's my. Uh, I'm sorry.
2: Can say that again. My answering machine went off. I thought I'd turn it off. Can oh, say okay. it again. Uh,
4: apparently, you have swallowed the whole Big Bang evolutionary theory hook, line, and sinker. Do you believe in the evolutionary <laughs> teaching that everything began from a single, uh, uh, one-dimensional dot of nothing? that exploded 13.7 billion years ago. Was everything in a dot? Do you believe in that'd be the cosmic evolution? Do you believe that? Is that part of your theology too?
2: Well, here's one thing that I won't do is step out of my professional competence. I'm a biologist, I'm not a physicist. But okay. I stay informed with physics and am I comfortable with the idea that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit initiated the Big Bang? Yes, sir. And here's the thing about that my intelligent design argument is much greater than yours you and i would both agree under a microscope looking at a cell we say wow does this declare the glory of god but my understanding of design is not static design that's yours and i agree with that but i have a dynamic understanding of design whereby out of the big bang the lord fine-tune this so spectacularly well that the whole idea of the world coming about, including us bearing his image, were all part of God's original plan through this natural process. And again, I'm going to repeat this. Ordained, sustained, and intelligently designed, both cosmological evolution and biological evolution. So it's all one process. And let me, let me give you an analogy to explain this. Think about God's shooting pool as as a way of divine action and this was what a young earth creationist would believe so god hits the rack open and goes around the table shot after shot after shot single every shot i mean that's pretty impressive i as an evolutionary creationist think god comes along and with one shot he hits all the balls they go in motion they all fall down in the proper order until finally the eight ball the most important ball goes lastly into the pocket the lord puts his cue down grabs the eight ball brings it to his breast and has a personal relationship with it us so i think the god of the one shot is way more impressive than the god of the many shots that young earth creationists embrace
4: okay well you can worship whichever god you'd like uh jesus it's, said it's the, the creation same god you're worshiping it's jesus it is Christ. absolutely not sir it is not the same god that i worship the God that I worship wrote a book, and it's very clear to read. Jesus said the creation of Adam was the beginning of the creation. Mark 10, 6, Matthew 19, 4. You don't believe that. You don't okay, believe that. St- for st- st- stop second. for a second. You know what,
2: where I was in my morning devotion today? It was Mark 10. And the issue okay, of Jesus appealing, and Jesus, oh, hold on, let me finish. And Jesus appealing to their created male and female in, in Genesis 1, then going on to Genesis 2, and the two shall become one flesh. Was this a debate about the historicity of Adam? No, everyone believed in historical Adam in the first century. Jesus is, uh, is uh, answering the Pharisees on the issue of divorce. And the whole idea is to use Adam and Eve as an archetype to say this is the way marriage should be and it should never be broken up. And man, that's a message this generation needs to hear. Marriage is for life and don't get divorced for all sorts of frivolous little reasons. That's what Jesus was talking about.
4: Let me see if I understood you correctly. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Everyone understood in the first century that Adam and Eve were symbolic of marriage. Do you believe Adam and Eve were the first people and God created them like he said was Adam made from the dust was Eve made from a rib were they the first couple did they introduce death and sin into the world literally do you do you believe that
2: okay let's let's take a step back and i mean I, I know the text i read it just like you do so Adam being created from the dust what exactly is that in the ancient near east It's a very common idea of how humans were created. That was the science of the day. That was the biology of the day. It's an ancient biology. So what is the Holy Spirit doing? He's coming down to the level of people and he's accommodating. And if you're troubled with accommodation, the principle of accommodation, you shouldn't be because the ultimate act of accommodation is Jesus Christ. He took on human flesh. Jesus also accommodated through parables. He said the mustard seed was the smallest of all seeds, which for them, that's what they believed, but orchids are much smaller. And the other thing, and I know you have a personal relationship with the Lord, uh, Kent, when the Lord speaks to you, does he not come down and speak at your level? And as we've gone through our, our Christian voyage, has not the level of discourse increased as we've grown spiritually? So what we're seeing here is God accommodating, using their understanding of origins. And this is the radicality of the Bible. This is why you read the ancients. Because the language of image of God and likeness of God was used by both the Egyptians and the Mesopotamians. But who were they for? They were for the kings who were seen as divine. What does the writer of Genesis 1 do? He tips this all upside down. He takes the language of kings and he gives it to us, and he's saying to us, we are, the repre- we are like kings. We are representatives on earth, and we bear the image of God. But at the same time, very clearly making it that we are not gods. We are representatives. We bear the image of God. So what we see here with the term image of God is the democratization under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, changing this idea and saying each and every one of us bear the image of God. Now, when it came to the Egyptians and Mesopotamians in particular, what were humans? Humans were nothing but slaves. But here comes the biblical text to say, you are the most special of all creatures because you bear the image of God.
4: Okay. Um, so you're saying again that God is trying to reach, by, by these words that he used when the creation of Adam was the beginning, he's dealing with first century people. And yep. so we should not really just simply read that. It's We have to have first century mindset to understand that. I asked you, do you believe God literally made Adam out of the dust, and did He make Eve out of a rib? Where did the first woman come from in your theology, sir? Well, what what the
2: point being is, I know what the text says, but what that is is an ancient understanding
4: of origins. So I'm asking your best, understanding. It's the, the best, best biology believe. of the day. What? You're a biologist. Where where did women come from in the in your in your theology? Oh, through an evolutionary process. No ends ifs, or buts. So women evolved from what?
2: Men and women evolved. From what? Okay, from hominins. Where do humans come from? From hominins. And when it comes to the fossil record, and let's make something very clear, we do not evolve from monkeys. We do not evolve from chimpanzees. We share with chimpanzees the last common ancestor. Chimps go in this direction. We go in this direction. Now, when it comes to that arm between the last common ancestor, about six, Uh, million years ago. It's one of the best fossil records we have. We have about 8,000 fossils of these hominins. Then around 200,000 K, we have what are called anatomically modern humans. They look like us, but they don't behave like us. Then at 50,000 K, then we have behaviorally modern humans that act just like us. And it's a dramatic change. We start burying our dead with stuff. What are they doing? They're thinking religiously. So, I would say that's when the image of God is being manifested. I'll also say that's when we became morally culpable, and that's when we all fall into sin. Everyone falls into sin. So, your first humans around 50,000 years ago. And when it comes to their theology, Think about Paul in Romans 2, uh, when he talks about those who do not have the law, that they will be judged because of the law written on their hearts. In other words, a natural theology. I would say that first group of aden- um, um, behaviorally modern humans were, had a sense of right and wrong, and it was because of the law God put on their hearts. Obviously not their heart, it would have been in their neural cortex. And so a sense of right and wrong started right then and there. And whether we would listen to that or not, I mean, that's our story. What is the story of Genesis 3? You know, Genesis 2, God gives us every, Adam and Eve everything. What do they do? They don't listen to God. Now, I don't think there's a historical Adam or historical Eve, but that account talks about all of us. Eve sins, what does God do? And Eve says, well, it's the snake that made me do it. And when God, the Lord God goes up to Adam, He goes and says, what did you do? And he blames Eve, but not only that, he blames God. He says, it's the woman you made here. So instead of being responsible and accountable for your sin, what we have here is the dynamic of the human condition called the blame game. We do not want to be responsible for our sin. And that's why it's such a great text, Holy Spirit inspired.
1: I think just to be sure that we finish on time, what we probably will do, because we do have that double header tonight, we want to give Kent a final word as we uh, Dennis has kicked this part off, and then once Kent wraps up with maybe just a couple of minutes in response, we will go into the Q&A and try to get through as many as we can, and we'll probably wrap up um, <coughs> relatively soon, like maybe
4: like 15 right. minutes from now. So Kent, the floor is yours dennis i don't want to hurt your feelings what you are teaching is absolute heresy in my humble totally unbiased opinion i think you're the snake in the grass i think you're destroying people's faith in god's word nobody can understand that book without you telling them what it means and you're trying to accommodate a ridiculous evolution theory you are wrong sir you are dead wrong and you need to ask the holy spirit to show you that you're wrong jesus said the creation of adam was the beginning and man brought death into the world you don't believe Eve was a taken out of Adam's rib. I asked you the question simply. You never answered it. Was Eve created from a rib? That's what it says. Was Adam made from the dust? You don't believe that. You believe Adam no, I came don't. from the dust? No, I don't. It's an ancient material. biology. I'm sorry, just to, You are a heretic, and I'm sorry for that, and I'll help you with that. Okay, go ahead.
1: If you want to respond, Dennis, I know there's something that you definitely noticed.
2: I'm I'm just going to come back to something really simple in those slides at the first. And I would say, stay away from Adam and Eve. Stay away from the original living organisms. Focus on the astronomy in the Bible. And you will see that the astronomy in the Bible is an ancient astronomy. In fact, there's a three-tier universe. And here is Paul in Philippians 2, one of the most important passages called the Kenotic Hymn. Kenao in Greek means to pour out. It's the great mystery that God poured himself out become a person in Jesus Christ. In verse 10 of Philippians 2, it says that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven, on earth. Now, of course, your English translations say under the earth, give the impression maybe that's Australia. But if you go to the actual Greek, it says kata which is the intensive for down the the underworld so jesus christ is the lord of a three-tier universe now of course there isn't a three-tier universe what do we do with this it's a very simple move what is the message jesus is the lord of the whole universe and for that ancient people the three-tier universe meant it all for us today our understanding of the universe is much greater and i will say that jesus christ is Lord of the entire world and universe as we understand it. And as science moves forward, that universe might even get larger. And I would simply say, and now Jesus is Lord of this larger universe.
1: Thank you very much. I think Thanks with that, you, you guys, yeah. I am guessing, are ready to go into Q&A. We sure. will, with that, start with, we appreciate your super chat. Thanks so much from Stevens. gosh, Steven. Uh, not reading that. Uh, let's see. J, let's see. Uh, Jay Shy, thanks for your super chat. They said, "Is kind a species or a genus or phylum or domain?" So I think that's for Kent.
4: Well, God said they bring forth after their kind, and Carolus Linnaeus made up all those other terms. Sixteen hundreds. I don't think God cares what Carolus Linnaeus thinks. Um, uh, so I don't think it fits our classification system. At we couldn't give it in some cases it may be at the species level in other cases it may be at the family level or genus level just because carolus Linnaeus said you know kingdom order kingdom phylum class order family genus species that doesn't mean god had to follow that i think a, f- a five-year-old can tell you that a wolf and a dog are the same kind of animal and a wolf and a mosquito are not the same kind but i am shocked that dennis would say if he, if he would ever admit it honestly he thinks a mosquito and a dog have a common ancestor don't you dennis
2: yes absolutely that's what evolutionary okay, the theory embraces that's and if you, the genes, bring- if you look at the genes, if you look at the genes in both species, you will see a lot of similarities. That's, and i give you an example. All author- you have to do is look at the hawk's genes. The same All you have to do is look toad. at the body plan genes, the Hox genes, between a drosophila and any vertebrate, and
4: you're going to see the similarities. So that proves that a Drosophila, the fly, is related to a dog because they have similar genes. Could it be the same designer wrote the code? Well,
2: I'm going to say the same designer wrote the code and used an evolutionary process. And what the genes do is reflect that there is a common ancestor to all of them. So everything is related through an evolutionary
4: paradigm. Absolutely. Uh, I'm sure you believe that. The Bible well, says clearly they will bring forth after their kind. And a mosquito and a dog are not the same kind of animal. And, sir, what you're teaching is heresy. And I'm sorry. It is. The Bible says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. Sir, you've been spoiled by your philosophy. You need to go I back give to give you an school. example. Let me
2: just ask you a question,
4: Kent. Ask me anything. If you, you want.
2: had a sore tooth, and I used to be, I practiced dentistry for 25 years. Okay. And I was the only person to, in town to fix this, would you come and sit in my chair? Oh, absolutely. Well, if hold it. Why, 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 why don't you question my dentistry background? Because I can tell you right now, my PhD in theology and my PhD in evolutionary biology eclipse the dental knowledge by many times over.
4: Whoa. What okay. Do? I would trust you as a dentist if I had to. That's not a problem. That has nothing to do with your theology, though. Peter, Jesus, one no, of Jesus' No, it has everything disciples. to do he with said, my, the- the my theology.
2: It, it's an issue of I've mastered a body of knowledge. Got the degree for it. I did the same thing in theology, and I did it at the most evangelical schools. I mean, Regent College, Vancouver, BC. Bruce Waltke, it doesn't get more evangelical. He graduated from Dallas Theological. J.I. Packer, you should know this. Uh, Gordon Fee, it doesn't get more evangelical. This is what evangelicals are doing. They're saying that, and they're submitting
4: I to know. the text it is you're so sad You're not that submitting
2: to the text and you're not submitting to the evidence in the book of god's works which is very very clear there is no debate on this in the science yes, yes.
4: i am submitting to the text let me read it to you slowly in english the first man adam was made a living soul he absolutely was adam was 130 and had a son he really was 130 you're not submitting to the text you're wanting to oh, make i'm this submitting to the text and
2: i'm also looking saying what is this atom being created from the dust? I know what that is. That's an ancient biology. It's just like the firmament with the sun, moon, and stars embedded in it. Now, I'm sure you don't believe that there's a firmament above our heads with the sun, moon, and stars, but that's what the text says. Now, I have a choice. Am I gonna close the text? Or am I gonna say, well, of course, it's an ancient text. They're using the science of the day. I'm gonna have to separate the message. God created the astronomical bodies from the incidental ancient science look at the holy spirit could have done this put a biblical writer in a trance and say i created through big bang cosmology and evolutionary biology holy spirit could have done that but would anyone have understood that 3500 years ago no i will give you no. an example of your country we have, we have to have you
1: just to, i just want it. to be sure that we get uh, that that last part from dennis and then We, I'm trying to remember who's originally, go ahead and wrap up, Dennis. uh. Yeah, let me just
2: wrap it up. I mean, we we live the most scientific generation in the world today, and here's your standard number if you try to summarize all the data, 50% accept evolution, pardon me, 40% accept evolution, 40% reject it, and 20% don't know it. So if this is the case, the most scientific generation, you can almost be assured the Holy Spirit will not do a text and say, I created through evolutionary biology and Big Bang cosmology. He will have to come down to their level and use their categories that they understood. And for them, the world was created quickly and completely. And that's exactly what the text says.
4: Gotcha, um, brother. Several times tonight, he has used the phrase "accept evolution," which is uh, ridiculous. You believe in evolution? Nobody's ever seen any evidence that would indicate a mosquito and a whale have a common ancestor, and the common, or that a, a human and a monkey have a common ancestor. Nobody's ever seen that happen. You believe, capital B, you believe in evolution because you got brainwashed with your education. Come to Dinosaur Adventureland, I'll straighten you out.
1: We, yeah, right. Next, we are just going to, I'm going to read uh, one more Super Chat and then I'm going to kick it over to uh, Benjamin and Mark to to read Super Chats as well. I had emailed those to you guys and we'll try to get through as many as we can. And uh, gosh, I'm so sorry, people, uh, friends. We, It's like... Just start our debate uh, on time for the next one. I just don't know if we're gonna get through all these. So um, I've got to think of a solution. We've never had that happen before. Uh, so we appreciate your generosity, folks. Flying through these, uh, Brian Steven said, since it came up, he said he's being serious. He said, does Kent have his CV posted online anywhere that
4: I can read it as well? DrDino.com, D-R-D-I-N-O, and our YouTube channel, Kent Hovind Official. And any questions, they can call me. 855-BIG-DINO, extension one. And will it be the office? Extension three was my cell phone. I'll answer it if I can.
1: Gotcha, thanks so much. And then, unless you, Benjamin, if you, wait, do we, Benjamin, I thought he was, I thought we lost Benjamin, but I I don't know if his internet cut out, but um, Benjamin, if you're out there, we hope you're okay. Uh, yeah, I'm still here. Oh, there you are, okay. So <laughs> um Benjamin if you want to if you guys are ready if you did get that email and want to uh, read uh, we could just alternate between the three of us so uh, I had read one and Benjamin if you want to read the next one and then Mark and then me and so on
5: I'm looking for it on my email right now
1: I'm just going to read through the next one just to keep us moving Jayshai thanks for your super chat they said Kent uh do you realize that Mark 10:6 is talking about marriage not material manufacturing
4: I realize that Mark ten six says the creation of Adam was the beginning. How you'd have to be a moron to misunderstand it. I mean, it's it couldn't be simpler. Let me get it up for you here. I agree. The whole passage is talking about marriage and divorce, but that doesn't mean you can slice, you know, separate this. Oh, here we go. Mark ten six, slide number forty three. Um, let's see. From the beginning of the creation god made them male and female what is hard to understand about that mackenzie you're five from the beginning of the creation god made them male and female she's nodding her head she understands it i don't know why you're having a hard time with it dennis
2: oh i'm not having a hard time with it i understand completely what it is but i take it one step back saying what is really being said here it is the science of the day and can't this well have... work the astronomy, get the astronomy straight, then you can go on to humans. So what we find in scripture is an ancient understanding of the origin of humans. So it's this ancient science that's carrying along, to get off this wonderful message of faith. We're created in the image of God. We're sinners, and God judges us for our sin.
1: Gotcha. Thanks so much. Just to keep us moving, Mark, if you have those questions, I'll if you want to read converse content yeah
3: well we got our we got our atheist friend here aaron raw and it's a question to kent uh aaron raw ain't a god but he spanked kent bad what do you think of that kent do you agree with that
4: i didn't understand it what did he say
3: aaron raw ain't a god but he spanked kent bad
4: i still don't understand what he spelled it out aaron raw isn't a god
3: yeah but he spanked kent bad
4: he, not a question It's not he bent he thinks he bent Kent. no right.
1: okay so no, okay let I me just straighten this out So for a second this is a super chat some of the super chats oh, as you know are yeah. just comments and so like okay. it's just a person
3: saying that
4: you can respond or if you right. want to ignore it you yeah can. do you want to respond to that yes, i, I, I think it's to respond. fair I asked Aaron Ra to give the best three evidences for evolution. He spent 20 minutes blathering on and on. Finally, in two minutes and 20 seconds, he gave his three best evidences for evolution. I spent seven hours answering them, Aaron Ra and nobody else. And Dennis, no, none of you have any evidence for any animal ever producing a different kind of offspring. Never. It's never happened. It's, no, it's not science. You got brainwashed. And if Mr. Nelson, Aaron wa- Ra, if Mr. Nelson, Aaron Nelson wants to debate me again, I'll only do it if I have control of his microphone. He interrupted me 288 times in 36 minutes. But if he'd like to debate and have an honest debate, I will do it. But I want control of his microphone to shut him up when it's my turn to answer. Aaron, bring it on. Gotcha. Just, wanted it on to give you,
3: just wanted to give you a chance to uh, respond to that, Ken. If someone's going to make Good. a comment, I think you should be able to respond. So I do have a okay. question here. Did God structure the firmament? This Ken, is,
1: is this a super chat question, Mark? yes it is okay and, and then if you just I want believe to say God,
4: yeah, it's no problem go ahead did God structure the firmament I covered very clearly he made the earth with water under the crust and oceans and uh, lakes on the surface he made a layer of air to breathe for the birds the first firmament then he made a layer of ice couple of inches then he made the second firmament where the sun moon and stars are we call that the second heaven then he made another layer of ice above that according to Psalm 148 the waters that be above the heavens, and God sits upon many waters and upon the crystal uh, firmament of underneath God. Apparently there's a third heaven, Second Corinthians chapter 12, where God calls home, and probably everything that we see on this planet is in one of these little glass balls on God's dresser that he picks up and shakes once in a while. So I don't know about that. We, can't, we don't know where the last star is, nobody does. And if we could find it, the question is what's next? So I think the Bible is, indicates that there's a third heaven, that is outside of all of this so but even that is assuming time space matter applies to god which i don't think it does so i don't think i don't think our human brain can understand all that but yes i do believe the scripture is clear enough on what it teaches about how god made the heavens plural and how the earth was in the water and out of the water and i have i don't care at all what the egyptians thought about that
1: thanks for your answer ken next up, let's see uh Oh, boy. So, uh, Mark, uh, just for the for the record, Stephen, because I see you in the live chat. I reached yeah. out to Mark to ask if he would moderate. Mark is only reading the super chats that were sent in. These are all legitimate super chats. I basically just gotcha. questioned Mark on something that's, like, obviously yeah, I, that. I should have known. You? Better. Yeah, fucking
4: me. Oh, okay. He's talking to Steve here. Steve uh, wants to respond. Can you yeah, hear? Him?
3: I have a problem because he was told that he shouldn't be on we didn't have any more time for him and that it's scheduled after January, but all of a sudden he's on the show asking questions and putting in jabs. I just thought it was a little backhanded and sneaky.
1: Yeah, so Mark hasn't put he's in, in So okay. hold on a second. Mark hasn't put in any jabs at all. He's only read questions that I would have read. It was just a different. What didn't read
3: question from That wasn't a question. That was a comment.
1: Or well, yeah, all the super chats. Some of mine that I've read are also comments. That's just the way the super chats well, are.
4: That's not my show. It doesn't matter. I, it doesn't bother me. I'm not the least bit afraid of and Raw or Dennis or anybody no, that's else. That's okay. Okay.
3: Go ahead.
1: Okay.
4: No,
3: I just feel I just feel that if somebody takes a job at Kent, uh, Kent has the uh, has the right to uh, respond to it. I right. actually. And I mean, I get, it was I, totally yeah. okay. Hey,
4: I mean. Yep. You should know if any Mark, you know if, as well as anybody, I get jabbed at all the time. I can, I'm tough. Absolutely. Man. Can handle it.
0: Bring it on. Yeah,
4: bring I mean, it on. Mark has, <laughs> for the record, Mark
1: has like defended the idea of like us hosting Kent as some people have given us pushback. Thank and you.
4: Mark, hey, come to Dinosaur Adventure Land, Mark. We'll take you to dinner and get you have a wonderful time here. Thanks, Ken.
1: Um. So we appreciate, but I, I can let you and know. Dennis, Stephen, too. Dennis, you can come. I'll let you know, Stephen, in the future. I, hear you loud and clear converse contender thanks for your super chat they said ask kent the difference between literal and literalistic
4: i guess i'd have to let them define what those words mean to them and what they're asking me that's not a clear question uh i think the bible is easily understood in almost every case uh he made adam the creation of adam was the beginning God said, Moses, tell the people to work six days and rest one, because I worked six days and rested one. Dennis doesn't believe that at all.
1: Gotcha.
2: Oh, Dennis believes in the Ten Commandments. Dennis believes that Genesis one was cast within the seven day, when six days and a day of rest. It was a literary device. That so was the author. That's what we're six, doing. Dennis. The, this, what's that? The Dennis. Sabbath is very important. It's like five is very important to the Hebrews. So too right. seven. And if you look at Genesis one, it's filled with sevens and fives. So what was the subtext of that first creation account? Take a day of rest. It's an affirmation of the fourth commandment.
4: Does Dennis believe there were six days of creation, literal days and one literal day of rest? Dennis believes that the (laughs) six
2: days and seven are a literary device. And I'll give you an example of why I think of that is because you have a pair of parallel panels in there the tohu bohu formless and empty so what happens in the first three days they're solving the formlessness problem separation of light from darkness separation of the waters above from waters below by the firmament separation of dry land from water then you'll notice on day four, and the skeptics are always saying, "Well, look, you got the sun in day four, lights on day one, makes no sense." No, this is this is literary uh, technique. It's 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 freedom. Uh, it's a literary license. So the next four days are filling days. So the sun, moon, and stars are created on day four. Why? In parallel to day one. Then you'll find on day five. Sea creatures and flying creatures, why? Because you slip your eyes over to day two, you've got an empty airspace caused by the by the firmament for birds and a defined body of water for birds below. Then finally on day six, land animals and us and go over to day three, you've got dry land. And on day three, you've got uh, 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 plants and fruit being formed and that's provisions for animals and us. So it's a wonderful framework. It's what's called a pair of parallel panels. And what is the, the most important thing to, to draw out to of the parallel panels is it's work six days and take a day off. Honor the Sabbath.
4: Okay. No 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 what we would draw from that is we're supposed to work for seven, 13.7 billion years before we can take a day off. No 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 no, you no. Got, I, I'm not got putting, no no you're you're put years to do all this. You're
2: putting words in my mouth. I, look at those days anytime the yom in Hebrew Hebrews with a number it's a day and you also have and there was evening and there was morning. So it's clearly 24-hour days. The first to admit that I'm not bringing so in any of my we, science. You're the one who's see. bringing in your 21st century assumptions into an ancient text and bending the text. I, You've got to let the text do the talking.
4: Again, I'm bending my dictum. text.
2: Submit <laughs> to the very words in the word of God.
4: I think. very that, Dennis, I, th- I, I th- am th- submitting th- to the words of God. And you need Excellent. to submit to you your very elders, much. Okay? I think we should, with that, forgive me for
1: jumping okay. in just to make sure we wrap up on time i'm so sorry um but we gotta get ready to wrap up as they are gonna start the next show late but so sorry folks that we're not gonna get to read all the super chats uh someone is staying up to like three in the morning uh across the ocean in order to make this debate work tonight and so i'm just kind of like ooh, mm-hmm. i don't want to start too late um and so just want to mention a couple of things first our speakers we can't thank them enough for being here tonight thank you guys both we really appreciate it it's been a, a wild one but I, I can tell you folks i know that they uh you know sometimes it gets heated here with a lot of debates but I, I keep in mind that it, it's passion it's not like a you know some sort of like uh i'm gonna get you uh, you know like we've seen it just the other night um the two debaters at one point talked about one of them was saying that you know if if your child would, you know, were to die, these are hypothetical moral examples. They said, you know, I would, I would be there for you. And, and one of them had actually been through that. And so it was just kind of, I hope you know that it's, it's true. It's passionate, it's fiery, but um, we appreciate both the speakers and they're linked in the description. So if you want to hear more, we encourage you don't let tonight be kind of like, you know, just like, oh, well, I've got that figured out please check out both of the speakers links and learn more about their views and we want to say thanks so much uh for everybody mark for your help tonight thanks to Stephen and kent for your patience and flexibility every time as we've always we're keeping you on your toes and we don't mean to, to do that so i'm sorry about that um we also want to say benjamin thanks so much as he had reached out to uh dr one forget me if i say this wrong janice Dennis. Thanks, Dennis. He had reached out to Dennis, uh, and he had basically uh, recruited him, and so we we're thankful to have him as well and, and Benjamin. So with that, uh, so sorry, folks, about the Super Chats. I've never had this happen. Um, I don't know what to do. We probably won't do double headers anymore. And uh, with that, just want to say thanks again to our guests. All
4: right. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Anytime.
1: Take care, everybody. Have a great night. Keep sifting out the reasonable from the unreasonable.